Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com bonus episode of Talk Wordy to Me. I'm your host Jordana Levine and today I'm chatting to my good friend and financial wellness expert Betsy Westcott all about money books. Before you run off, stay with me. Look, finance books aren't the first ones I rush to on the bookshelf, but Betsy has read a ton of them. So I thought I'd chat to her so she could recommend some of her favorite money books that are likely to get us over the line. Turns out Betsy's also an avid reader. So this episode is jam-packed with book recommendations and likely a few fictions you haven't yet heard of. Enjoy this episode on money books with Betsy Westcott. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about money books with me because I hate money books. I can't stand them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't read them. I don't like them. (laughs) Because many of them are pretty bloody boring. Right? Yeah. Okay, good. So (laughs) just for context, everyone listening, I've asked Betsy to come on and talk to me about you know, like her top three money books, because I just think there's a lot of people out there like me that just avoids them at all costs, because I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, they kind of induce anxiety because they kind of show you where you should be and you realize you're not there and you just feel a bit fucked and, you know, (laughs) they're not exciting. I don't think. Um, But do you, do you have a different opinion on money books? Um, I think they've come a long way. I think, I mean, the whole world of finance is starting to come a long way, let's be honest, because, you know, for such a long time it's been, you know, male, pale, pretty stale, and there's a lot of blue charts, super, like, aggressive jargon as well, Um, and it just, it's intimidating. And as you say, it doesn't actually inspire you to do better. For some people it really resonates, but... For many of us, you you read text and and content in finance, and you just you don't see yourself there, and it doesn't feel relatable. So naturally, it's not going to inspire action, um, which kind of defeats the purpose. It makes the author sound really smart, but um, if the purpose of a book is to help and support others, then um, yeah, I don't I don't think it's delivering. So, but there's yeah. there's some really good ones out there. Okay, good. Well, I'm excited to hear about them. But before we do talk about the books. I want to talk about you. What I mean, uh, we we've done an interview before on a on a previous podcast of mine, but I don't think I ever really asked you like why why money? Why finance? Why how? How did you get into this? Yeah, uh, George, by accident. No, I definitely <laughs> did not grow up being like oh, I think I want to be a banker. That <laughs> sounds like a pretty sexy career. Um, I I actually grew up thinking I would run beautiful hotels and oh. be in the tourism industry and speak lots of languages. Um, and that's actually what I studied originally. Um, but then I was working in a hotel and a gentleman who 
um, was a bit of a maverick in the banking world. I know it's weird, but they do exist. Um, <laughs> and he had this view that if you took people who were really customer centric and very focused on creating great experiences for people and helping people, and if you taught them finance, you could change the culture of finance and the way that you know banks supported their customers. So um, he pitched this crazy idea to me about becoming a banker and and you know I was degree qualified I've got a business degree um, but sort of going through this training program through the the banking branch network to learn about finance and um, but with the remit that I had to help change the culture of banking so it was a pretty funny um, way to end up in banking but I, I quickly discovered how much I loved helping people understand money and um, I think growing up I'd grown up in a single parent family and finance had always been something that we were keenly aware of um, mostly like the struggle <laughs> around money and so yeah. I really knew that it was this thing that had a big influence on your life and the choices you made and where you spent your time and what food you ate what clothes you wore where you know where you where you um, invested a lot of energy and it always seemed this really mysterious thing. And then working in finance, I realized it's not, it's absolutely not, <laughs> but it suits the financial services industry to think, um, to have people think that. And that is um, it. That That mm -hmm. is it. It does feel mysterious. It feels out of reach. It feels like something we can't understand, which I think is why we pick these book books up with all of like this sort of hope. And then it yep. kind of, well, in my experience anyway, it just starts to feel like, again, like this stuff that I'll never really fully understand. Yeah, and a lot of finance people aren't very good at explaining money. They they overcomplicate it or they want to use the terminology that the people in the industry use because that kind of gives them credibility that they know what they're talking about. But, you know, I've got a really strong belief if you can't explain something to you know, a, a five-year-old and it makes sense and you don't understand it well enough yourself. Yeah. Nothing is that complicated. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I really try to do with, with money and what brings me a lot of joy is helping people see that, you know, if you got through, you know, grade five math or something, that's all the smarts you need to, to manage your money. Um, it, it's really simple concepts. Um, and a lot of it comes down to, to practice and, and just doing the same things over and over again for a long period of time, and, and that's what creates real wealth. Um, so the education required to understand um, finance, you don't need to go to university. You don't even need to go to high school. Like You just need to get through primary school and you'll be fine. Yeah, that's okay, cool. Need. Well, I definitely got through primary school, so I'm feeling, yeah. <laughs> feeling well qualified. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's talk about some money books. What what have you got? Mm. Like, tell me tell me all of them, and then we'll mm -hmm. talk about each of them. Yeah, I I didn't know it was just three, so I bought a oh, few. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine too. But that's okay. But um, so I've kind of tried to focus on Australian books because I think often a lot of the literature we read around money is from authors based in America or based yeah. in the UK. And it's a different system. I mean, the UK money financial system is pretty similar, but um, in Australia, we've got our unique own way of doing things, um, particularly around things like how we save for retirement. Um, so I've gone with some Australian books. I'm going to start with my favourite one, um, which is called The Joy 
the joy of money. Oh, I love it already. And it's a great cover. And it has a woman on the front. Yes, it's been written by two fabulous Australian ladies, um, Kate McCallum, who's a financial advisor, and then um, Julia Newbold, who is a writer, and she edits Money Magazine, but she's, you know, done heaps of different writing. So it's really well written and it's female focused, which I really like. Yes. Um, And where it begins is around your goals and your values, which I love because Money is just a form of currency. It's an exchange. And things like how we use our money or how we invest is all about, is is like a means to an end. It's not about the money. It's about the life you want to create, what you value in life, the choices that you want to have. So starting with that, I think is a great place to start because that helps frame up how you're going to manage your money, you know, how you want to earn money, how you want to multiply your money. Um, because that's that's what's important. It's the life. It's the choice that you want to create. That's really important. Yeah. So, yeah, but then they cover really great things that most finance books don't cover, like relationships and money, mm-hmm. um, career breaks, teaching kids about money, um, how do you use your money as a force for good, which I quite like. Um, and, yeah, and then they've just got, like, little structures and quick steps and, like, they've linked it to, like, songs um, each chapter, which is kind of cute. Know, I'm in. Fun. You had me at songs. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Okay, that actually looks really great. So that's called The Joy of Money. The, yeah, and the forwards by Julie Bishop as well, which I also quite like. Oh, amazing. Julie Bishop fan girl. So this one's pretty new, but it's it's really good and it's really relevant for Australia. So I like that one. The second one I love, which is an Australian classic, is The Barefoot Investor. Now, everyone knows him. I'm going to tell yeah. you a funny story about Scott. Okay. <laughs> I just want to premise this by saying The Barefoot Investor is the only money book I've read that I didn't hate. Good. Oh, good. Yeah. Great. So, okay. <laughs> I'm going to take you back to circa 2007, Betsy at hotel school, thinking she'd okay. be a hotelier. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Scott Pate back then, this was like early days, Scott Pate, he was doing some stuff with Host Plus. And he came to our university and talked to us all about the importance of money management and retirement and whatever. Anyway, I'm a country girl and he's a country boy and he's got blonde hair. I've definitely got a thing for blondes. And he came in and he's wearing <laughs> R.M. Williams um, shoes and talked about money. And I just thought, woof. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's when I first developed a crush on Scott Page. <laughs> and then I just think it's kind of funny I ended up in finance. And one of um, the first books I read after that after that seminar was his really early edition of um, The Barefoot Investor because he's got like a few which have really evolved as he's like gotten married and had kids oh. and stuff like that. So, oh, does um, he keep updating them though? Yeah, yeah, they, they keep like updating. Them. It's one of those books that I lend to people all the time. Yes. And yeah. I don't know where it is now. I don't think I have it. it, it. It's one of those books you like give to people because it's so relatable <laughs> and practical. Practical is important. Like you want to be able to, if you're looking at a money book, like you've picked it up because you want to take action. And if you read a book and you don't know where to begin, then yeah, again, it's failed. Um, yeah. But Scott's really good at doing it. I think he's kind of funny. I, I enjoy his humor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we're talking about crushes on Scott Pape, I definitely developed one when he was a regular on the project. Yes. <laughs> 
God, if he ever listens to this, he'll probably just blush, poor guy. I think it's safe to, to bet that he won't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> but I tell you, our secret safe. One of the things I did find um, challenging about that book, and I think we've spoken about this before, is when I was reading it, I was single, and it really annoyed me that about the money dates. I was like. I can't go on a money date. There's no one to share the money issues with. They're all mine, you know. And I, I think he gave like a yeah. tiny caveat if he was single, but I, I just felt very excluded from the conversation. I know. And this is this is why um I actually enjoyed his earlier books. So his first book was like single Scott living in a share house uh, in his twenties and thirties. And I was and I was like, it probably like, I don't know late teens early 20s when I first read it and it was really relatable but yeah and his books have become very um have evolved in, in alignment with his life so when he's dating and then now he does his barefoot families books so if you're looking to read one of his books try and find the version of life that relates to you because <laughs> yeah that's um, a really know, good tip. absolutely if you don't if you don't have kids or you're not in a relationship, then yeah, some of his advice isn't actually going to work. Um, so the one that I liked, it was actually called Five Steps to Financial Freedom in Your 20s and 30s. And okay. It was all about getting your first job, you know, buying your first car or making your first investment or saving to buy a home, um, navigating share house stuff. And at, at that point in time in life, I was like, yeah, yeah, this really means a lot to me. Um, and I think that's important when you're looking at a money book is try and find an author who resonates with where you are in life. Um, a lot of the finance books are written by men in their 60s. I'm not a man and I'm not in my 60s. So a lot of Absolutely the stuff that they go on about, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's like, you know, when I was writing that dating book, um, all of the dating books on the market were written by middle-aged men. And I thought that is so <laughs> ridiculous. How are women meant to relate to this, you know? Yeah. And, and what insight do middle-aged men have for young women? So I guess it's, yeah, I guess it's the same thing. Oh, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, so the five sets of financial freedom in your twenties and thirties is good. And then he goes into the I think his next one was the only money guide you'll ever need and he updates it all the time. Okay. Um, so try and find an earlier edition. Um, but if you, you are in a relationship, if you do have a family, he's now got like a family's one for like how to talk to kids about money. Um, I think one of the challenges with the Barefoot Investor book that I hear from clients all the time when I'm coaching them is that um, it's quite prescriptive, which is good because it gives you like a roadmap and people are like, great, I can action this. However, personal finance is personal and prescriptive like directions around like you have to have this exact amount of accounts and do this exact amount of percentage transfer to the account doesn't fit everyone. <laughs> you know, we don't all wear the same size shoes. Yeah. Um, so I often will be working with coaching clients who are like, oh, I tried the barefoot thing, but I just, I couldn't make it work and I feel like I failed. And I was like, you okay. haven't failed the system didn't work for you and yeah. that's okay. We need to make one that suits you. Yeah, which is why we have you, Betsy. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, what's next? Um, so I've got a really old school one and it's. Um, I wish I could find my copy, but I think I've packed it up as part of this Renault stuff. But it's literally like skinny, very skinny oh, book. Love a and skinny book. Yeah, yeah, you can literally read it you know, with a cup of tea. Um, and it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Um, it was written in 1926. Um, wow. So it's really old. 
and it dispenses financial advice through parables. Oh, I like parables, you know, like you can like being a kid. Yeah. yeah. And what I love about it is it shows how universal good money management stuff is. We all get caught up in like the newest technology or the newest way of investing. And really good money management practices are the same practices that applied 4,000 years ago. So that's why I kind of like The Richest Man in Babylon. And um, it depicts like a story about this fictional Babylonian character um, called Arkad and he's like a poor scribe um, and then he applies all these practices and it tells stories about how he becomes the richest man in Babylon and um, it talks about the seven cures or how to like create money and generate wealth um, and then it talks about the five laws of gold which are like the five laws of investing and um, it's it's old old school but everything in there can be applied today and it's kind of like everything you need to know. Um, and isn't that incredible? Yeah. Like when I think about, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it because I, I hate the conversation and I don't have enough knowledge about it. But like when someone tries to talk to me about cryptocurrency, I'm just yep. like everything shuts down. And there's also a part of me that's like, do I, are there things I need to understand about this that I don't understand and am I missing out on something? But, you know, when you say this book written in the 20s, and everything mm-hmm. sort of still applies today. And, and that is how finances are, right? That the principles yeah. are really simple and it's about yeah. understanding the fundamentals. Yes, 100%. Yeah. I can't like just say like amen to that enough <laughs> kind of thing because we all get caught up in the trends and what's sexy and what's on the news and what our mate Jono is telling us at the pub because, you know, he's super confident and a new crypto expert and, Blah, 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 blah. I think Jono lives in Byron. <laughs> yeah, look, Jono is everywhere. Um, and, you know, and it, uh, most of it's hype. And, you know, crypto as an investment is fine. But, you know, again, it's the same principles um, that you look at any investment is, you know, what kind of risk does it carry? What kind of return does it generate? How long should I be investing in it for? What's the purpose of this investment? Like there's, it's all the same stuff. People just get really excited and try to like dress it up like it's a new thing, but yeah, um, it's just an asset class. <laughs> but anyway, this, this 1926 book, The Richest Man in Babylon has some really great principles and yeah, I like the parable style of it um, because money is simple. Um, everything that you think is new isn't. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a exactly. new version. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm going to look out for that one. What else have you got in your money bookshelf? Um, so there's so many different kinds of money books out there. So um, sometimes it's really hard to navigate because you think money book, like money book is a money book is a money book. Um, <laughs> but they're but not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. So like, for example, The Joy of Money is a really practical, holistic guide. The Barefoot Investor is a really practical, holistic guide. But then you sometimes get money books that are very specific to a, a particular problem or, or a place um, in your sort of financial life. Hmm. Um, so there's one um, that I quite like as well, also by an Australian lady um, who's a financial advisor called Canna Campbell. Um, yeah. She's, yeah, she's also mm. like known as Sugar Mama TV. Um, yeah. She's got lots of YouTube videos. Yeah, big following. I really like her. And she wrote one um, called The Thousand Dollar Project, 
which was really just focus on saving and earning extra money. So how do you find additional income outside of your day job to invest and grow your wealth and and create more financial freedom in your life? Because I think a lot of people feel like, okay, well, I've got my job and it would be great if I could command a higher salary, but that's a bit of a long-term game and I might need to do some training and qualifications. But there's lots of ways to be creative about how we can be more savvy with our money and how we can bring more money into our lives. And it you know, doesn't involve having to start a brand new business and have a side hustle. I mean, that's an option. But she just shows lots of different ways to find money. And she documents her own journey, which I think is a nice way to tell the story because she's living it and she's breathing it. And at the time that she wrote it, I think she was a single mum on her own, like just, I think she was either working in the business or had just started her business at that point in time. Um, and so I just think it's like a really great way to show you that you don't be limited by your, your job or the salary that you earn. There's lots of ways to get creative and save more money and, and make more money when you put your mind to it. And then she talks about lots of things like, well, okay, cool. You've made this extra income or you've saved this money. How do we learn to multiply it? which is a really important message because particularly for women, we're taught to be, you know, 50 and frugal and save our pennies. And then what we don't hear about is actually how do you grow your money? How do you multiply money? Mm. And that's the really important step to creating financial freedom is to, to have your money working hard and generating its own income so you don't have to work so hard. Yeah, beautiful. That sounds great. Okay, last one. <laughs> so last one is another Aussie one. Um, a guy called Paul Benson, and um, this one's called Financial Autonomy, which I really like because I'm kind of lazy, Jordana, and I like to put systems in place where things just happen and I don't have to, like, put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Um, so this book by Paul Benson, he's another um, financial advisor, but he talks about how to structure your finances and automate it so that it happens with a lot of ease and you you start out with a plan you put the structures in place and then it all just happens and you don't have to spend time and energy managing and worrying about it because you've got this really great kind of framework in place so um I really like that element of his book and he kind of breaks it up into a few things so a little bit like the joy of money he starts with goals um and you know when I'm working with clients I always start with like what is it that we're aiming for? What does good look like? Which always amazes me how little time and thought most of us put into like, what's it all for? Yeah. What are we aiming for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, we spend 40 plus hours a week um, working and earning money and then I don't even think an hour a week um, managing it or thinking about how can we make the most of it, which is mm. crazy sometimes when you think about it absolutely um, yeah so yeah so he starts with that kind of goal setting like what does good look like what do you want to achieve then creating frameworks for managing your money so that's really easy to keep a track of do I have enough to enjoy my day today have I got some money set aside in case something surprising or bad happens so that I've got emergency savings to support me and then how am I working towards those future goals um and he really focuses on the how do you multiply money pathway. Um, and he focuses on that through investing, be that in 
um, the share market through property or through entrepreneurship and creating your own business and having businesses that create income. And he really goes into the detail on those three wealth creation strategies, which I quite like as well. So it's another one of those ones where it's quite specific around what it's talking about. And it's a lot about like, here's your foundation and developing your why, here's your framework, but here's how you multiply money. So it's another good read as well. Well, they're great. I mean, I want to say I'm excited to read all of them. I'm probably (laughs) most excited to read The Joy of Money. And then The um, Richest Man in Babylon sounds like a nice addition to a cup of tea. I feel like that's like enough, you know, I'm like even, I mean, I'm obviously a money dork, so hence hence why I have so many money books, but, you know, I probably read one money book a year, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's fair. Also, you don't want to, you don't want to overload yourself, right? There's only so much you can take in on a topic and um, yeah, you you really, like you say, you don't want to overload yourself and like, also, I just, I just love reading other stuff. Well. I, have, I have one more money book question for you before we move on to regular old books. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think's missing from the market when it comes to finance books? Oh, that's a really good question because there's so many books out there mm. and it's, it's starting to happen, but I think it's that relatable voice um, and yeah. so you know that's why I like the barefoot and that's why I like the joy of money because they are relatable voices and they're not too like mansplainy or <laughs> jargony actually another great money author is Mel Brown um, she's got heaps of books she's actually got one um, called fabulous but broke and it's a coffee table book okay. and it's all these little fairy tales around money um, and it's quite funny and it's um, illustrated by Megan Hess, that really talented, um, like, yeah. watercolour artist. Yeah. Um, fun. Yeah. And so that's quite cool. So and I don't really actually have an answer to that question, except that for me, I think it's finding those relatable yeah. stories that, that have that nice balance of I see me in this book and I've also got practical tools and steps to take, um, take away. Yeah, beautiful. All right, my love. I have some rapid fire questions. I ask all of the guests. Now, we know you love reading, right? So I feel like you're going to be able to answer this. Sometimes I get, sometimes I get someone and they're like, I'm not really a big reader, which makes, which makes getting through rapid fire very tricky. But let's see how we go. What, what, what do you prefer fiction or nonfiction? Fiction, a hundred percent. Like I love my, Every night ritual is to read a book to go to sleep. Um, So I get through a lot of books. Um, But my husband loves nonfiction. (laughs) I just find it so boring. Yeah, I find a lot of men do because they need it to be real. They need it to be fact. Where women love to get lost in the fantasy of fiction. Absolutely. So, yeah, fiction all the way. (laughs) Okay. What was your favourite book growing up? So it could be as a child or a teenager. So I think um, the book I made my mum read over and over again, probably says a lot about my personality, um, was Koala Lu by Mem Fox. Have you ever read that one? Mm -mm. Oh, it's really cute. Um, And so my nickname as a kid was Koala Lu. Um, Basically, it's about a little koala um, who is like the apple of her mum's eye and so forth. But then her mum has 
another baby and so then she has a sibling and that baby requires a lot of mum's attention and so Koala Lou you know is missing her mum and and all the time they used to spend together because mum's so busy um I think she has like a few little mini koalas if I'm remembering the book so anyway Koala Lou thinks do you know what I just need to do I just need to impress mum with my fabulous talents and skills and so she starts training for the Bush Olympics and then um tries to win um the gum tree climbing competition and anyway she doesn't win and she's like really sad and then um <laughs> and her mum comes and finds her because she's like all like oh I didn't win yeah. um and says Koala Lu, I do love you and tells her how proud she is despite Aww. not winning the gum so tree wait, and it's just really is this, cute is this a picture book or like a, a short novel Oh, it's a picture book. It's oh, just like a yeah, little wow. There's book. a lot happens to Koala Lou. So much that. happens. Yeah, all right. I'll have to find but that yeah, one. I haven't heard it. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, I think it's an early Mem Fox one. And, um, yeah, so growing up as a, as a kid, whenever I'd get, like, down in the lumps, mum would be like, oh, Koala Lou. <laughs> Probably telling you way too much detail. No, I think it's great. <laughs> um, what is the book that changed your life? I don't know. I'm trying to decide whether it's like The Barefoot Investor because I think that just really set me up with some good money habits and financial freedom is such a game changer. But then I actually also really like Esther Perel, Mating in Captivity Um, because I think that's a really fascinating book about relationships and desire and, you know, all the juicy stuff. So Yeah, that is a good Mm. one. You can have both. I'll let you. Both, yeah. They're like Um, really different. (laughs) What what book do you buy other people? The Barefoot Investor. Yeah. It's like my Christmas gift for people, probably like annoyingly so. <laughs> and they're like, oh, thanks, yeah, I'll go sort yeah. my finances out. Thanks, Betsy. Yeah. Cool, bets. I <laughs> know. Do you know what my signature baby gift is <laughs> for friends of kids? A money what? box <laughs> with like oh, a little thing in the card. That's really cute. That's really sweet. <laughs> Tell me you're a finance dork without telling me you're a finance yeah, yeah, dork. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've got plenty of ways to communicate that, I'm sure. Um, what was your what's been your favorite book this year? I think I've got four. Okay. No, you can't have four. Can't what's have four. what's one oh, favorite book okay. this year? One favorite book. Um I really enjoyed a book called Pachinko by oh. Minjin Lee. Um it was a fictional story about a family that was Korean living in Japan and it goes from like the 1920s through to like the 1980s and it's just like this whole long story and the hardship and living in different cultures and all the different things that happen and um, it's got a lot of resilient like messages around resilience and um, that was a really good book. Okay, come on. T- I'm dying to know what the other three were. Just tell me what that. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, the Night Tiger by um, Young Che Chu was really cute. It was oh. like um, set in Malaysia, and it takes a lot of um, Chinese parables and then tells it into a story. Oh, um, beautiful! And that was really cool. And for me, it's just like you know, an exposure to different cultures and the stories yeah. and the beliefs. I find really fascinating. Um, and then another one I really loved was A Man Called Ove, um, which was translated, um, I think, maybe from Danish or Swedish, I can't remember which one, one of the like, okay. Northern European countries, yeah. um, by Frederick Backman. And it's a really funny story about this, like, what is seems like a grumpy man called Ove who just wants everyone to leave him alone, but 
you know, everyone keeps coming into his life and then forming relationships with him. And it, it, it's a really beautiful story. As oh, well, I so. love that. I haven't heard of any of those books. That's what I oh, love cool. most about this podcast. <laughs> Who's your favourite author? Do you have a favourite author? Uh, my favourite author, oh, again, this is real. These are really hard questions. I know they are really hard, out. and they're never rapid fire. I'm like rapid fire, and then everyone yeah, yeah, you know, wants like, to talk about it because we love talking about books. Again, I had like five on my list, but I'm going to go with J.K. Rowling because yeah, um, I just loved her when I was younger, as like you know all the Harry Potter series. And then um, you know how she's been writing under the pseudonym with the yeah. um, the. Oh my god, mental blank. But I always get the name wrong. Like it's Robert Galbraith. Sorry, I don't. Know. But anyway, she's been writing on the scene of this murder mystery series, and they're so good. Oh, I just so tore good. through them. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, so I was just like, JK does it again. Robert Galbraith. Robert Galbraith. Yeah, and it's yeah. the Palmer and Strike series, um, and it's this like goes through. I think there's five books now, and there's like five different murder mysteries. But then there's like narratives and other like side stories that go through the book around him and his detective assistant and family and oh, yeah wow. they're, they're really good and they're always like I never pick who the murderer is and I enjoy that oh, oh my god you do read yeah. a lot I, I love like this okay <laughs> I've got two more questions yeah. what what are you currently reading what's currently on your nightstand so I literally am reading a book called The Dutch House by Anne Patchett, I think. Yeah, Patchett. Anne Patchett. Um, yeah, it's okay. So far, so good. Okay. You know, <laughs> so early, so good. early days, 40% way through, I think. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh, that's 40%. That's pretty deep. I need to be yeah. in by 25. I need to be solidly in the book. Yeah, well, it's like it's got a good um, – uh, you know, story so far, but I'm like, where's it going? And okay, yeah, you know, I don't know if I put it in my top ten yet. <laughs> okay, and what's next on the reading list? <laughs> Some parenting books, Jordana, because <laughs> I probably need to learn how to keep a small human alive at this point. So um, <laughs> Betsy's very been, pregnant. If you listen, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, someone just sent me the first six weeks, um, which I actually have read. So that was good but um yeah a couple of other friends sent me some parenting books and I was like I should I should probably it's probably time, it's probably time to <laughs> figure some stuff out yeah <laughs> poor, oh. poor baby <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me Betsy if people want to find out more about you and your offerings where can they go um, they can jump on my website, which is just my name, BetsyWestcott.com, and that kind of talks about the work I do as a financial wellness coach. I'm on Instagram, at Ms. Betsy Westcott. Um, also on Facebook, you can find me there, but I don't do too much on Facebook. I'm, bit, I'm kind of like, I don't know, it's just like too many platforms, hey? Yeah, um, But because I am a corporate dork, you can find me on LinkedIn as well um, <laughs> with both my coaching business and my day job as well. Beautiful. Thanks, honey. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So good to be here. <laughs> Just a little reminder that all book recommendations on Talk Worthy to Me are always featured in the show notes of this episode. So don't feel like you need to be writing them down as you listen. I've done all the hard work for you. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. You can tag me at Jordana Levine 
and tag Betsy at Ms. Betsy Westcott. That's M-S Betsy Westcott. Until next episode, I'm Jordana Levine and you've been listening to Talk Wordy to Me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.